sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audibletrial.com slash Trending Topics with BB. Hello and welcome to another rousing edition of Trending Topics with BB. I want to thank everybody who has found this podcast, who will be finding this podcast, who has listened to this podcast, and so on and so forth. Uh, my name is Brooke Brown, your humble host, hence the BB, and I want to get the housekeeping stuff out of the way really quick. If you have not, please log on to bbmediaindustries.com slash trendingtopicswithbb. You will get every link to every platform that this podcast is currently broadcasted on, syndicated on, whatever you want to call it, um, for your devices. I, I, we thank you, and... Uh, all of my guests, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate all of my guests who I've had so far, and I will get to this episode currently. But before I do, I do want to mention, please, if you have a chance, go to our iTunes page and please leave a comment and good favorable rating. It helps this podcast be found by other iTunes listeners, as well as if you're on Stitcher Radio on your Android device, excuse me, device or in your vehicle, uh, please give a favorable rating. That would be great so other listeners can find this podcast as well. And thanks to everybody again for tuning in to this podcast. Uh, Before I move on, um, please also check out any other podcasts. The podcast realm, I want to shout out all the other podcasts out there. it is a competitive, but yet not competitive community. So I just want to get a shout out to all those fellow podcast promoters or creators, what have you will. Now that that's out of the way, I want to introduce what this podcast is about. If you have not figured out BB Media Industries and what my goal is in terms of music and the like, I want to highlight people locally within my area, which, if you haven't figured out, is the Phoenix, Arizona area. And this podcast episode talks to Pete Salas, who is a veteran, I have to say veteran, of the house music scene in Arizona, particularly here in Phoenix. He will go over kind of the evolution and what he's seen. And it was a great chat to learn more about house music and venues and clubs and and kind of where we are within the scene today. So without giving away any further ado, I give you the awesome chat that I had with Pete Salas. All right. Well, thanks, Pete. I, I wanted to thank you for doing this, and I'm glad that uh, Matt was able to link us up. Uh, for this because he was telling me that uh, you know you've been around for a while here in Phoenix so let's kind of to get the listeners kind of caught up uh, let's kind of go back to kind of how like in a nutshell things kind of evolved for you here in Phoenix well um, first of all I was born and raised here in Phoenix so um, I'm one of the few that it's not really a transplant. I've always been here. Um, sometime around uh, early high school, 
I kind of got into breakdancing. Um, I personally could not dance, but I wanted to be part of that scene, if you will. And at the time, I loved music, so it kind of came naturally that I became a DJ for a couple breakdance crews, if you will. Um, that kind of led me to meet a friend of mine in college, um, and we formed a DJing group, if you will, um, with my partner, Eddie Amador, at the time, who's gone on to produce many, many hits. Um, but we formed a little group, and we started DJing. Um, car shows, concerts, quinceañeras, weddings, backyard parties, you name it. Um, you know, we were mobile and we ended up doing some battles, which we ended up winning in 1989. I guess it was sort of like the battle for state supremacy against other state red DJs, if you will. Um, sometime around 90, 91, we kind of got bit by house music. And we never looked back. I think we left kind of the hip-hop, breakdance stuff and went into the house scene. Um, Eddie was doing raves and things like that, um, early techno days. And eventually it led to us getting a warehouse. And between 92, 97, we ran um, an underground club, if you will, uh, for three years. It opened up at midnight and went till the wee hours of the morning, maybe till 6, 7 in the morning. We played house music all night, and it was kind of like around the inception of house music in Phoenix, if you will. It it actually was started a little bit before, but I think we kind of took it to another level. Um, after that ended, Eddie left to L.A. to pretty much pursue a producing career, and I stayed here and, you know, formed... Uh, other parties that you uh, you know um, that dealt with house music brought out international DJs, spun at other clubs, and down the road it eventually led me to owning my own two clubs. Where um, one night is called Solstice, and for the last nine years um, we've been spinning house music on a Saturday night. Um, so that's kind of a nutshell. Um, so for 31 years I've been DJing. Pretty much 28 of those years are um, house music. Right. And uh, did you get a chance, like the the scene, was it more underground when you began? <clears throat> Excuse me. Or... Well, it was almost, it was almost non-existent. Um, it wasn't like I can put a flyer out and said, hey, house music tonight. Um, it was still very new to a lot of people. Um it was more so that it was an underground illegal party, which is what sort of drove people to the event as opposed to the actual music. But, you know, with the ambiance and the warehouse and the bumping sounds and the nice laser shows or whatever, um, you know, the music that was associated with a great time was house music, and it kind of started taking a hold. Um, it started separating itself from techno, I guess. Um, and we started using the term house music a lot more, which was for a while a bad word, you know. Uh, um, but, yeah, it was definitely more underground because it was very new and and not heard of very much, you know. Um, eventually, you know, it kind of got a little bit more mainstream. Um, but, uh, you know, it still can have an underground feel. And every now and then we still throw our underground parties. 
you know. Right. And why do you, uh, just because of the, the, the nuance of it, or was it just because hip-hop was still kind of reigning supreme at the time? Yeah, and that's what it was, really. Um, and Phoenix is kind of weird, to be honest. It's come a long way. Um, you know, the only place that you could find house music in Phoenix were gay nightclubs. And traditionally with the hip-hop community, you know, that didn't go over very well. So anyone who listened to house music was either termed gay or, you know, a derogatory, a derogatory term, if you will. Um, most people who love the music understand that, you know, house music has no boundaries. Um, black, white, Hispanic, gay, straight, lesbian, doesn't matter. You know, um, that's the scene in which it evolved from. Um, on a national level, um, but Phoenix kind of was late to that party, um, and so the only places you could get it were gay nightclubs. So a lot of my early nightclub gigs were in gay venues, which you know were fine with me. I got to play what I love and got to play it for people that loved what I played. Um, and uh, but outside of the house community, it wasn't looked upon as you know a very favorable type of music because you know it just had a a connotation that way. Um, I think that's now been blown out of the water and people have opened their eyes and uh, as more people moved in from other cities and other countries to Phoenix to add into the scene, it kind of uh, also helped evolve it, if you will, and kind of pushed out the narrow-minded people. Right. Um, I'm just curious. I've I had the pleasure of interviewing Marcus Schultz recently for this podcast, and he talked about the gay club scene in terms of the works. Were you part of that as well, uh, the old club here called The Works? or I, I do remember The Works very well. And, in fact, um, uh, Stephen Rogers, who was the owner of The Works, um, built the DJ booth for my partner, Eddie. Eddie was the first main DJ in that club. Um, I DJed the works many times myself, but at that time we were also getting ready to open up our own underground club, Chupa. That was the name of our place. So Chupa and the works sort of kind of congruent, you know, kind of grew congruently, if you will. They were sort of parallel of each other. Um, and when Marcus took over, you know, Eddie dedicated himself to just Chupa. And that's how we spent our weekends was, you know, going from midnight till seven, eight in the morning um, in a warehouse. You know, Marcus took over for Ed, I believe. And, you know, the works kind of became more of a, in my opinion, it became more of a big club. Um, you know, eventually mainstream people started going to it. And I hear it kind of killed the vibe eventually. But its early days of works were phenomenal and, you know, second to none, at least for Phoenix. Um, but it was my belief that that was when Eddie Amador was spinning at that point. So, And the evolution of music in terms of, of house, you, you said you've been doing this for many years. So why, like, I love house as well. I like, I love the scene. Um, but why do you think people gravitate towards house? Um, 
Good question. Um, you know, typically house music is uplifting and positive. It, you know, rarely um, covers subjects that maybe other genres might cover, you know, like what hip-hop might do. You know, hip-hop, in my opinion, because I used to love hip-hop, um, it kind of took a turn for some weird way um, when it started segregating its own. Like, you know, if you weren't popping bottles or had gold teeth or carried a gun or banging booties or whatever, you weren't cool. Whereas, you know, house music was all about being free and letting go of yourself and it's a lot more positive. And the tempo, you know, they were up up tempo. You know, they weren't um, the head-bobbing music that maybe hip-hop might be. I mean, you can dance to both, of course, but, you know, at, at 120 plus BPMs, it's a little bit different. I came from a scene where I used to love to play dance music uh, called freestyle, which was somewhere in the same tempos, and I kind of just naturally evolved to house music. Um, and house music, you know, it, it has that 4-4 kick, which to me, it just wears on you, and it just takes you and grabs you, you know. I, I don't know. That's That's my explanation of it. Um, the content of house music is typically more uplifting and it draws people who are a little bit more open-minded, if you will. That's, of course, my opinion. Okay. Well, I, I, I would have to agree with that. Um, so in terms of opening the underground that you mentioned, uh, it, how long did that exist? It existed for approximately three years. Um, it was, of course, illegal. Um, you know, there were things that were going on in typical nightclubs that weren't supposed to be happening, I guess. Uh, we didn't have, you know, liquor license and things like that, but we didn't stop that from coming in. Uh, in fact, other clubs that would shut down at 1 p.m. or 1 a.m., rather, the club owners would bring alcohol into the club and just keep going till 7, 8 in the morning. Um no age limit, of course. Um, you know, now that I look back on it, I have people that told me, yeah, I was 14 going to their that club. You were like a dad to me or something like that. Or, you know, it's, it's kind of weird to look back on that. Um, again, when that happened, we didn't know what we had. We just were doing. We were just creating. Uh, let's get a warehouse. Okay. You know, and it wasn't, not a lot of thought behind it. But, it turns out, you know, we were congruent with a lot of other things going on in the world at that time with house music. And so uh, I look back fondly upon those memories. Um, so, But it did last about three years. And the main reason we shut it down was because, you know, what goes up comes down. Um, unsavory types started finding out about the nightclub and were showing up. And eventually shots are fired and you know, uh, people who aren't open-minded with other people are showing up, causing ruckuses, and eventually it had to end. Do you think that kind of scene, other than the negative stuff that you just mentioned, do you think the underground it type of scene would ever make a, a, a big return here in Phoenix? Um, you can try to recreate it, but it'll never be the same. Um, again, it was very new. Not a lot of people knew about it. It was very brand new to them. Now, you know, house music, at least some sort of it, is on the radio. You can find it in clubs. It's not, you know, brand new anymore. It's it's There's another generation of kids now coming up with it. 
Um, you know, DJs are being paid $10,000, you know, throwing their hands in the air, playing some type of house music. So it's, it's, it's gotten, sure, there is some deep underground style house music, but there's also the over the top stuff that gets played in giant festivals and it's making, uh, you know, it's bringing awareness to people who normally didn't have access to that back in the early 90s and early, early 80s, if you will, you know. Um, and not only that, I mean, the law part of it, the legal part of it is, um, undergrounds typically are called undergrounds because they're, they're not legal. You know, you, there's things that go on that, uh, typical nightclub has rules to follow, whereas an underground, you know, you don't. You open a warehouse and you do what you do. Uh, the cops and the law enforcement are much more in tune with those types of events now than before. Um, one of our things that we used to do was show them our license to operate. The cops at that point in time, they didn't understand that a business license, you know, was any different than a club license or anything. We actually had a license to to be a storage facility. So, you know, we showed them our papers and they said, okay, you know, they moved on. Or we'd say we're shooting a video tonight, uh, you know, so... They weren't in tune with what was going on, but now they're very aware, and I don't think that that scene could exist the way it did uh, back then. It was just all raw and brand new back then. Now it's now it's not. It would be a rehash. And like cities like L.A. and, and San Francisco and, and Chicago and different cities, I'm, I'm aware. I, I believe they still have kind of different scenes there. Why do you think those cities are able to kind of keep the scene going, if you will? Well, the scene is still going here in Phoenix. I, I didn't, it's not that it's not happening. There are undergrounds here. Um, there are people throwing warehouse parties uh, that go on until the wee hours of the mornings. Um, I just personally don't do them anymore. Um, but I'll attend um, you know, with the nightclubs now, I have to be careful because I, my name is on a liquor license, you know, and uh, um, my partners and I, we all have an understanding that we got to stay above ground to some extent. But that doesn't mean that our product is any less better or, you know, we still play the music that gets played in the grounds, only it's it's legal. Right. So, but Phoenix, you know, it does still have its underground sections. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, so it's just, it's there, but you would have to know where to find it. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of times, I feel like there's people here that have, have recently been wondering if there is a scene here in Phoenix. Like people that are new to the area, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, an underground is not going to be plastered all over Facebook, you know. Um, you kind of have to uh, be a, do your thing and find out about it and find someone that knows about it or do your own search on where house music is and then find the path, if you will. Right. So let's go to kind of what you're, you're doing now and, and the clubs you do now. I know you've been... You had events this weekend, and um, uh, obviously you've been doing this for years. So 
what prompted you guys other than the evolution that you already mentioned of your love for the music kind of to keep this going and and to have your own clubs and all of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, my partner, uh, Sean Badger, and I, we were um, – there was a club called Burn, and it was a gay club, and we had a night there on a Sunday night. We saw some construction going on next door at a venue called Bar Smith, and um, Sean approached the owner to see if we could start a Saturday night there on the rooftop because they have an open rooftop. That Saturday, we started our little weekly house music event, and it's been going for nine years straight every Saturday in the same venue. Um, in that process of being at the right place and the right time and producing numbers that went beyond what the club owner would expect, um, he offered us the club. He gave us a number, and we decided to... Uh, claw our way and scratch our way and find that, find that number and, and we ended up buying the club. And so now all of a sudden we were club owners. Only difference is, is that we have been on the other side of that table before. We've worked as promoters and DJs in the club scene for many years. And here we are, we found ourselves as owners now. So we started building other nights, but we kept our house night intact. And over the course of the last five, six years that we have been owners, um, we have uh, kept Solstice, which is our house music night, as the main staple of Bar Smith, which is the venue that we ended up buying. Um, that process also led us to get that very same club that we started with, the, the gay club, eventually became a hip-hop club. Eventually, we bought that club. So... That club is now called Monarch Theater, um, and we throw EDM events. We throw big house music events. We throw, um, you know, Latin music events in there, art uh, shows. Many different things go on in that venue. Barsmith, continually, Saturday is house music. Downstairs is hip-hop. On Fridays, upstairs is a different style of house music. Main room is hip-hop, you know, and, and so... We've kept our true roots to hip-hop and house music mostly um, through this venture of being club owners. But uh, So we've had Monarch Theater now for about five, four years, Bar Smith about six or seven years, but we've been at Bar Smith for nine years. Awesome. And so you mentioned that you do multiple genres in that club. Would yes. you ever consider, like, trance music or... Um, like in the, like starting other events there or do um, you have like well, a Well, I personally, I mean, yeah, we we're always open to different things. Um, if you prove that you can bring the numbers, that's the thing now. We have to keep, we have to make a certain price point in order to pay the bills. If, if I can't pretend that I could fill every night of the week with house music, you know, uh, I'm a promoter also, but I am good for one event. I can't promote five or six events um, that would water my pool down. So I have to count on other promoters coming in and bringing in a crowd. If a trans, for instance, a trans promoter came to me and said, hey, I would love to have a night 
this is what I can bring you. These are what I, the sales that I can do for you. Um, I'll listen to them, and then we give it a try. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we move on. Um, but we have had trans DJs come through Monarch Theater. Marcus Schultz actually spun there not too long ago. Um, I consider Marcus kind of a trans DJ. Um, but uh, we we do many different type of events going through there. But as a weekly um, hip hop. Latin music, house music, though, um, we even have a reggae night, um, have all proven to have some type of weekly draw that could maintain an, uh, a venue on a weekly basis. Right. I mean, it makes sense. I was just curious. Um, you didn't yeah. really, I was just, I, I, I like trans, so I was just curious to see, yeah. you know, more events we're going through. So, yeah. in terms, what do you think would help the scene in terms of growing from here on out and in this area? I know, as like you said, Phoenix is weird, but it, it I feel like there's kind of a vibe right now where people are looking for something other than just hip-hop or other than just whatever genre. People are yeah. trying to find something. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree that Phoenix has in my opinion, made it past the hump, if you will. Um, and I think, I used to say this a lot back in the day. As you know, Marcus Schultz is from Phoenix. He left. Right. Z-Trip is from Phoenix. He left. Sandra Collins from Phoenix. She left. Eddie Amador from Phoenix. She left. Um, all our, A lot of our history leaves for better and greener pastures for whatever the reason is. And it seems to have worked. They can't knock what they do. But when the foundation leaves, Phoenix is left with a weak foundation. Um, and it just could never make it over the hump. However, I feel that a lot of our veterans now have stayed or have returned um, in each genre, in each scene. Um, you know, we now have a solid foundation. Music is now, with the Internet, you don't have to live in L.A. to be a global DJ now. Um, we have DJs that travel out of Phoenix and play worldwide now. You don't have to live in New York City or, you know, um, Los Angeles or San Francisco. You can be a global DJ from Phoenix now. Um, so I think a lot of our history is stayed put, and you can build upon that. Um, so that is imperative for making the next generation have something to build upon and the veterans can't be closed-minded you have to bring in new people i mean i'm now 48 years old i have nothing in common with a 21 year old who's now entering the club world um so i have to find these young kids who are hungry and and show them what you know myself and a few others have have helped try to build and hopefully they vibe with your vision and bring in uh, their own vision and keep it new and fresh and new people. Everyone turns 21 every day. There's some people turning 21 every day. You know, there's new people that have never heard house music before or or trance or EDM or whatever, you know. Um, so I can't find many of these people. So I need to find people that can find people. And that's what we kind of have built our... Um, are uh, seen upon um, our our night, for instance, Solstice. We bring in younger promoters to help us bring new people in. You know, um, 
So you got to keep the youth involved and expose it to them early, you know. So. Right. So in terms of that, is do you think that it also has to deal with, well, I asked this question actually when I spoke to Marcus. Do you think that there's like a divide right now in terms of classifying music? What I mean by that is that like an elitism, if you're a house fan that you don't like the term EDM or, or you only, everybody's classifying the type of music they like into the more subgenres. Is that because right. it's not too mainstream and there are artists out there that are not putting in the work and still getting the notoriety for it, or? Right. Um, well, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I'm a house DJ. If I don't get to spin house, my career is over. You know, I'm done. Um, I feel like I'm a, a painter, and I paint house music. If someone tells me to paint another type of genre, then I don't want to be told what to paint. Now I'm creating someone else's work. Um it's not for me, but that's just me. I know that there are house DJs who also spin hip hop or also spin uh future bass or drum and bass, you know, and that's on them. You know, that's that's good for them. I, you know, for me, I spin house music, I'm a one trick pony, um, and that's kinda where I'm gonna end my career in, I guess. Um but yeah, people like to classify things. It's easier to talk about, I don't know. But there are nights that have open formats. You know, there are nights that do things like Future Bass, which consists of Mumbaton and Dubstep and House, you know. Um, and that's, that's fine and dandy. That's great. You know, if you can, if you can do a night that way, that's, I'm not gonna, you know, talk crap about it. I, I like all kinds of music. I only spin one music, but I like all kinds of music. I enjoy myself when I go to other nights. Um, but as far as what I can promote, I only promote house music. Because uh, it's what I know and it's what I feel in my heart. And if I venture from that, then it's not being true to what I feel. Right. Well, um, in terms, kind of already talked about like the future. So, what sets like your your group apart from like maybe other venues and stuff in the area? I'm sorry, what what's can you repeat that? Yeah. Um what what do you think sets your venues apart from other venues in the area? Oh, um well the biggest thing to me is everything that falls from us being former promoters and, and DJs still currently promoting and DJing. It's rare you have a club owner that is still promoting and is a DJ, you know. Um, so we understand um, from that point of view, but now we've gotten a view from the business side of things, and we try to meet in the middle for to maintain artistic integrity. Um, you know, we, I, I, my partner and I, Sean, because we were brought up in many of the gay clubs and many of the alternative venues and weren't shown the light of day to a lot of the more mainstream, bigger clubs, um, we want to keep that avenue open for uh, people. Um, so 
I will commonly say we never discriminate against anyone except assholes. Um, so uh, I feel that people that come to my club um, will get experience, you know, a vibe, because you will get a big variety of the type of people that show up. Um, you know, again, I can go off with the categories if we want to keep, but, you know, you can have black, white, Hispanic, Asian, you know, gay, straight. It doesn't matter. We don't discriminate. And the type of people that come to our clubs also feel the same way. We've been lucky that we have been DJs and promoters and we've built a big scene for people that know us. And we've taken it to the club level now. So um, I think that we offer that that no other club can offer the way we can. Awesome. Great. Well, again, I want to thank you for joining me on my podcast and, and talking about the scene because I am an Arizona native, but not really. I've lived it. I grew up in, in northern Arizona, so um, I kind of want to get – I'm into the music. I've been in the music since I was a little kid, but I kind of yeah. haven't really heard much about the growing of the scene in general. So I kind of wanted to talk to the veterans and, and understand a little bit more. So – in terms of ways for listeners to who are interested in this, and, and, and well, how can they get a hold of you? Um, for me, uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm very transparent. Um, my DJ name is my real name, Pete Salas, S-A-L-A-Z. You can find me on Facebook, SoundCloud. Um, from there, you can find links to my clubs or mixes or other DJs. Uh, or other clubs, uh, you know, I kind of made a network, and who I am is, you know, my personal life and my work life and my my DJ life, they all kind of interact. I don't keep them separate, you know, uh, so when you hit my Facebook page or my Instagram page, whatever, you're going to see, you know, obviously some personal life stuff, but you're also going to see clubs and, you know, surrounding around house music and the venues that I own. So, and from there, you can link up to other things. So I would say that it's probably a good start if you don't know uh, where to start at. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and I appreciate you doing this on this holiday. And uh, I will definitely check out your clubs and, and kind of spread the word to fellow fans out that I am meeting and, and, and that I talk to. Thank you. I appreciate uh, being considered for this interview. Uh, I hope I entertained a bit and dropped some knowledge a little bit. And um, please reach out when you do want to come to the clubs. I'll make sure and roll out the red carpet. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Have a great one, and I'll I'll talk to you very soon. Thank you much. Bye-bye. Bye.